0: Let's pray. Father, we, do, uh, we just do lift up our nation and, and think about, Lord, just that attack on us 19 years ago. And Lord, I know for years I used to keep that list of the people who died in that attack in my, in my desk drawer, and it was a pretty thick stack of papers. And, and uh, God, I think of families today that are still affected by that and we lift them up and pray that you'd work in their lives. I pray that many, many would come to know you. And, and uh, Lord, that as a church, as we're going to read about tonight, as a church, that we would influence our nation. And, Lord, I believe it starts with us influencing our families and our neighbors and our coworkers, so Lord, as we study here and as Paul is encouraging that church, uh, you know, a couple millenniums ago and, and, and reaching out to them, I pray that, again, we wouldn't just read words and, and have a Bible study and even, even leave saying, man, that was a good Bible study, but God, impact our lives. Touch that inner man. And for some of us, light that fire again. So we do give you this time and pray that your word would come alive and jump off the page and, and uh, Lord, just really, again, really penetrate our inner being. So bless this time, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, prayer. Uh, prayer. Paul started a prayer in chapter 1. And he kind of got interrupted and then came back. And then chapter two, he's letting the Ephesians know that we're all one. And, and uh, as we looked at the last part of chapter two last week and the whole, I, I love chapter two, I love chapter three. has a lot to do with race relations and how we need to think and how we need to be as Christians in our world and and what is the church and how is the church defined and what does God think of the church and et cetera. So as Paul begins here in chapter three, he's gonna start to pray again. And then it's like, I mean, I would love to get inside this guy's head, sort of. I mean, he he's getting ready to pray and he starts and then he goes, pew. Because he wants to, he, he hasn't quite finished up what he was talking about in chapter two and about the church and who the church is and what the church is and how it's affected. So he starts verse one and then he interrupts it in verse two and goes down to verse 13 and then comes back in verse 14 to pick up what he started in verse one. And on top of all of that, verses two through 13 or at least two through seven, I'm sorry, two through seven are one long, crazy sentence in the original language, and you're going, man, this guy had to just like, he had to kind of explode inside and get it all out on the page. So, you know, we're gonna look at that, and bottom line, here's what, here's what two through is all about. The church. And what is the church? And the fact that the church was hidden from everybody until God decided to reveal this mystery and so Paul's going to call it a mystery and once again remember in the Bible when we talk about a mystery we're not talking about something that can be solved or something you can discover on your own if you get the special Bible decoder ring and just send in 1995 and we will send you the ring and you can get your decoder ring and you can resolve no it's not that Mystery in the Bible means that it must be revealed by God, by the Holy Spirit. And he reveals things, and here's what I love. He reveals things according to his time frame. So if you read the Old Testament, the church is not mentioned unless you get into certain doctrines and then you think Israel's the church and whenever Israel's mentioned, it's mentioning the church, which is not a good doctrine. I don't think. You can have that if you want, but I think it's bad doctrine. So Paul is here about to say, what the church is. And having said all of that, here's, what, here's the way I take away from this whole section. The church is important. The church is vitally important. And I'm not talking about the church building. I think you guys know that. I'm talking about us. But I think too many of us in our generation kind of take it for granted. And we kind of give or take and, you know, I've said a lot, we're family and I believe, I believe we desperately need one another. I am extremely upset with what's going on right now with the whole pandemic and, you know, you can't get together, you shouldn't do those things. And, and some people, I understand, they're, they're immune compromised and things are going on. And, and I understand why you wouldn't come, but it upsets me because we're supposed to come together. And we're supposed to be together. And, you know, I I know there was a big debate even among some of the Calvary guys. Well, online is coming together. No, it's not. It's online. It's not coming together. And, again, I know some of you, and I'm not saying people that are staying home are doing something wrong. But, man, the church needs to be the church. And in the darkest times is when we need to be the church more. So Paul here starting. And, by the way, before we, one more thing. Don't you love it when pastors do that? Like, in the word. But Paul is in a dark time in his life. Think about where he's at. He's in jail. He's in prison. I have to be really honest. If I'm in prison, I'm not sure I'd be writing you guys and encouraging you. I might be writing you and Whining about come and get me out and take care of this, but he's in prison and I, you read this stuff and it's just pouring out of him and I think, man, when I grow up, I wanna be like Paul. And I wanna be that guy who, who has that faith, that, that faith that cannot be shaken and, and cannot be touched. So now, here you, here's what he says, and, and I love this, man. For this reason, now we gotta say, well, for what reason, right? For this reason. Because the church is not Jew and Gentile, the church is a whole new, I like what some people say, it's the third race, right? It's a whole new race in the church. We're united. We we don't look at each other from our ethnicity, from our race, from our social economic backgrounds. We're the church. And so listen, he's been explaining that. He says, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, Now, if you go to verse 14, what does he say? For this reason, he's picking up that same word, right? For this reason, I bow my knee to the Father of our Lord uh, Jesus Christ. So, listen, he starts to do that, but notice what he says. He's a prisoner of who? Christ Jesus. Listen, this is incredible. He's not a prisoner of Rome, in Paul's mind man we get we need to get minds like that he's not a prisoner of Rome he's not a prisoner of Caesar he's not a prisoner of the Jews all of those people listen the Jews came against him and he is there by his own accord right i believe with all my heart had paul not kind of gotten frustrated and lost it and said i appeal to caesar i think agrippa would have turned him loose but that wasn't god's plan was it so now he's a prisoner but he's not thinking he's here's what he's thinking I belong to Jesus and I don't care if I'm rotten in a jail. I don't care if I'm on top of a mountain. I don't care if I'm living in luxury. I belong to Jesus. Saints, we need to get that in our hearts. Sometimes I know circumstances stink and circumstances can come in our life and there are things, but I believe in the darkest times is when we need to realize the most whose we are and who we belong to and this fact, nothing comes in your life that's not filtered by God. Got to keep that in mind. And you got to understand that and I know some of, I know some people are thinking seriously what's going on in my life right now is filtered by God? Yes. Because here's the flip side if it's not, you're either living by chance or you're saying evil has control. My God's in control. Period. And he knows exactly what's going on. So I love that idea. He's a prisoner of Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, in any kind of. I think he kind of lays some out for you Gentiles. Now, again, I think I think all of us in here are Gentiles, correct? No one's raising their hand, so I'm thinking we are. A few weeks ago, it was a while back. Remember, if you were here on a Sunday morning, we had someone raise their hand, and they 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 were claiming Judaism because they did the you know, sister and me or whatever, twenty-three and me, whatever it is, and they had like one tenth of one point percent, you know, Jew. And they're going, I'm a Jew, I'm a Jew. No, you're not. So anyway, sorry. And if I just ruined your profile, sorry. But anyway. Anyway, he's writing the Gentiles. Now, here's what happens. He's I, I think here's what happens. And sometimes as a pastor, I feel that way. You kind of get done and you think, man, I could have said this. I could have put it this way. And I could have done that. And for me, that happens every time I'm done teaching. It's like, why didn't I say that? And some of you are so kind, you come up to me and say, how come you didn't mention this? And I'm thinking, thanks. (laughs) But here's what's going on. I think Paul said, I needed to put that a little bit differently. Remember the whole Jew, Gentile coming together, being one church. So I think that kind of hit him. So here's what he's thinking. I'm gonna bow my knee for you, but just a minute. I got to finish that whole thought. So now he's going to go back to what he was talking about. So verse 2, he says, for you Gentiles, and in verse 2 he says, if indeed you have heard of the uh, of the dispensation of grace which was given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly already written about, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ. So here, so I know some of that, you read that, and you're going, like, what is he exactly talking about, right? But here's the end. It helps to get into mind of Paul. Here's what he's doing. He's saying, listen, man. He goes, if indeed, in other words, you guys heard me. Here's what Paul's saying. I taught in Ephesus. I was there with you. So he's not saying if, as in, You know, you might have. He's saying if is in the sense, uh, since you heard me. And he goes, listen, you have heard of the dispensation of grace, of the grace of God, or you might say the stewardship of the grace of God. Here's what Paul understood deeply. And I think we need to understand that. God has given all of us the stewardship of his grace. Every one of us, he's given us that. And what are, how are we handling that stewardship? We might even say the management. Do you know and understand and really believe that it's up to you and me to let the world know about Jesus? Nobody else is gonna do it, it's uss. That's what I like to say. And it's our responsibility and he's given us. Now, you can look at that as a burden or you can look at that as a blessing. You can look at that as something you have to do or you can look at that as something you get to do. Here's what Paul is telling these guys. He goes, listen, I know you've heard of my stewardship of the grace of God. And he says, listen, it was given to me. You and I did not invent the gospel. I'm hoping you don't share a gospel you invent. We didn't invent it, God gave it to us. And he gave it to us for others. We're not supposed to hold it in. We're not supposed to keep it inside. We're supposed to let it out and we're supposed to be vocal about it. And again, I'm not asking you to go on a street corner and do signs, hey, if God calls you to that, praise the Lord, I don't wanna go do that. I don't wanna be the guy that you know is doing that. And hey, some people are called to that and we need to pray for those people that are called to that. But man, listen, we need to let the world know That Jesus loves them. That Jesus came to die for them. That there is hope, even in the midst of this crazy thing we're calling a pandemic and and the riots and the trash talking and all of that. We need to say, hey, there's something greater than politics. It's called Jesus. Jesus. And we need to be, I think, kind of loud. So Paul's saying, listen, man, I know you've heard of the dispensation of the the grace. and, And you know what was crazy is that word dispensation is in the King James and New King James. And I was reading a guy who's a King James guy, and he started talking about dispensationalism. And this guy went off. It like blew my mind. He had 14 dispensations. I believe in dispensationalism, and by that, here's what the definition is. That God works different in different dispensations. God was working one way in the Old Testament, and he was working one way before. And you could say it this way. He was working one way during Adam and Eve. You had the flood. Then he's working through Abraham. Then he's working through Moses and the law and David and that whole kingdom. And then he's working through grace. I believe there are some dispensations that God works differently, and, and I believe the Bible teaches that. But man, when you break them down to, this guy broke them down from Adam and then from Adam's kids and then from Adam's kids' kids, and then and I'm going... And here's the crazy thing. This is not talking about dispensationalism at all. It's talking about stewardship and management. So Paul says, you did that. And then notice he says, it was given to me how? By, it, was given to, or, or it was given to me for you how that by, the, by revelation, God, he made known the mystery. So how did Paul figure out this thing called the church? Well, he got a decoder ring. That's how he figured it out. He sent it in 1995. And how did he figure it out? What does he say? By revelation. God revealed it to him. You don't have to, quote, discover it in the way that, you know, we may go mining for gold and discover gold and et cetera. God reveals to his people through all of the millenniums and ages what he wants to reveal. In the last days, he revealed this thing called the church. Read Isaiah. Hopefully you're doing that. If you're not, you're not doing the Bible reading. Read all of the Old Testament prophets. Read what Samuel said. Read what David said. None of those guys ever said church. They never used the word church. They never even saw this church age that we're in. Once again, the church age, biblically speaking, isn't there. We're a mystery, and here's what he's saying. God gave me this revelation of the mystery. Now, Paul talks about this a lot and uses this word a lot because I think he's so, I think Paul is so like, wow, I can't believe that God revealed this to me. He's like pretty stoked about it. And then, and then, He gives a a parenthetical statement within the parenthetical statement that he's giving, right? It's like, come on. So here's what he says. He says, he made known to me the mystery. Now in parentheses he says, as I have briefly written already by which when you read you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ. What is he talking about I've briefly written already? I think he's talking about chapters one and two. So imagine you're reading the scroll, right? Right? they had a scroll right somebody nod yes he sent you a letter and you're reading it and paul sent this letter from prison and you started the first part and you're like getting excited and you're going through and you're reading along and then he gets to chapter three and he goes you know i already briefly wrote and here's what and he goes and you have read and or or he says as you read right and so some here's what some are going to do uh we need to reread that like I wasn't paying attention. Like some of you right now, you're like spacing. Bzzz, right now, and you're not hearing what I'm saying. And you're going to regret it because you're going to wish you would have been listening. So listen, I know that happens. I do that. I shared, I shared when we opened up, and I've shared with you before. When, I, when we went to New York for 9-11, I wanted to feed the firefighters. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to feed the people and get involved that way. And, and we didn't get to do that. We did something else, and, and typical me, like, I'm all mad. Well, then I'm going to get on a plane and go home, because I don't care about what I'm doing. And so, anyway, we, we went in this big, uh, one of the big, huge apartment buildings that was impacted by this, and we were helping people uh, recoup some money of things they lost, bottom line. So we could, we could okay them for up to $10,000 of government funding to help them out and it was a good thing but anyway anyway so we're sitting there we go upstairs up this elevator and we're sitting in this room and they're getting ready and they're they're telling us that you know hey you guys cannot bring up God unless the people you're talking to brings up God. So we all took our Bibles and put them right between us and the people first. We thought, okay, we gotta make that happen. And then, and, then they, and then from then on, here's what I heard. Blah, 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 blah. And they're giving instructions. And they got done and they said, okay, we're gonna open the doors and we're gonna have people come in. Are you guys ready? I looked at the guy I was with and I go, what did they tell us to do? And he goes, you weren't listening, were you? Like some of you right now. And I go, no, I wasn't. And he goes, well, you're supposed to take the green form, and then you're supposed to take the yellow form, and you're supposed, and I go, I didn't get any of that. And then they said this, does somebody want to go downstairs and, and tell people what floor we're on and what room? I can do that. So that's what I did. So anyway, listen, so here's what Paul's saying to these people. You need to read this, and maybe you need to reread it. And maybe you need to re re-read it. How God revealed to me this mystery. Why is Paul so emphatic about this? Listen carefully. He's emphatic because the church is God's plan for them and for us and for right now over 2,000 years. It's his plan and here's what he's saying. You need to get this. Listen, this isn't just, this isn't God's, you know, afterthought, this isn't something, this is important, this is strategic. So he says that. Now, verse five, he kind of picks it up again. So I'm gonna read verse three to the parentheses and then jump down to uh, verse five. He says, how that by revelation, he made known to me the mystery, which in other ages, in verse five, was not made known to the sons of men as it has now been revealed by the spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. So here's what he's saying. God chose the time, right? And God chose the means. He chose to reveal it to that generation. And from that generation on, God opened up. And you and I, listen, we have the privilege of reading and rereading and rereading. And that's why I think we should read through the Bible every year. I have not come to an exclusive knowledge of God's plan for 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 you know the world I want to read I'm surprised when I read do you you guys some of you have been reading the Bible for years do you still get like whoa that was good and listen man that's what Paul Paul here is saying man listen God revealed this not listen carefully he didn't reveal the church age to Isaiah he didn't reveal the church age to Jeremiah he partially, just a little glimpse, revealed it to Daniel. But Daniel's going, duh, I'm not getting this at all. He revealed it a little bit to or He didn't reveal it to Amos. Just think about it. He didn't reveal it to Moses. He didn't reveal it to Abraham. Well, he kind of did reveal it to Abraham, didn't he? He says, through you, all nations will be blessed. And everybody went, I don't understand what that means. Well, now They do. Now they understand. So are you getting, and he goes, listen, man, through the, and, and I love this. Now, people made a big deal out of, you know, revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. And some people are going, oh, these guys are the holy ones as, you know, in comparison to the unholy ones. I'm <laughs> going, just stop. You know, he's, he's obviously, and whenever we read the word holy, here's what, here's what I think a lot of us do. We see a person with a halo like this. Holy simply means unique, set apart, you know, his set apart apostles. I believe what he's talking about is the 12 that were set apart. So then he says, listen, then he says this. It was given to them. Now here's the mystery. Here's what was not made known. Verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. Here's what they didn't understand. And the Jews didn't understand it. The Jews could not comprehend and could not even imagine and were having a hard time accepting the Gentiles being part of this thing we call the church and part of the things that are partakers of who? The Messiah. And the Messiah wasn't sent to you guys. You guys, don't you know you're cordwood for hell? That's what God made you. Not I'm part of the church, bro, move over. And God breaking down that. And once again, we need to understand that in our generation too. There's nobody, listen, there's nobody excluded from the kingdom of God. And again, we can't judge people on, 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 on race. We can't judge people, you know, on, on their ethnicity. We can't judge people on their social economical background. We can't judge people on the amount of ink they have, whatever you want to put in there, the amount of piercings they have, the color of their hair, the color, you know, come on. We're one. We're the body of Christ. And we need to understand that. So listen, man, I love that, he says. And he says, man, hey, the Gentiles, they're fellow heirs. Can you imagine what that did to a Jewish mind? (laughs) What do you mean they're fellow heirs? We've been doing this thing for 5,000 years. They're just coming in right now. Yeah, you might want to read the parable. About, you know, the last one hired, you might want to check that out. Jesus talked about it. You're Messiah. He talked about that. So might want to check. And they're just like, they, and fellow heirs is pretty heavy, but they're the same body. And then they're partakers of the promises of the Messiah. How can they be the partakers? And I can just hear the Jews like going, and, and they're exploding. Now, Paul's not writing to Jews. He's writing to Gentiles. And he's letting the Gentiles know Listen, you are important in the body of Christ. Doesn't matter Doesn't matter what others might be saying, what others even, how they even may treat you. You need to know this is who you are. But I love the idea we're one, we're together. And again, it doesn't matter. And then, and then listen, then here's where it gets kind of good. So he's letting them know, and, and oh, by the way, all of this, check it out at the end of verse uh, six. All of this is through the gospel, it's the gospel that, co- that causes this. It's not, Paul, it's not like Paul went, hey, I'm going to blow some Jews' minds. Here's what I'm going to say. Because this is the gospel, and the gospel changes people, and you've heard me say it over and over and over. Man, we can change the world one heart at a time we can give people the gospel and change this world. So then Paul now thinking of himself and letting them know that he doesn't think he's all that. He says through the gospel verse 7 of which I became a minister or a servant, right? That word in the original language is servant, according to the gift of gra- of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power to me who am less than the least of all the saints. Paul could not believe that God put him in the place he put him. And I don't really believe that Paul ever really understood that he was Paul and he's writing, you know, most of the New Testament. Here's what I think Paul's blown away with. Number one, that God gave him the, 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 you know, the revelation of the mystery of this thing called the church. And then God is using him to kind of bring some people together and get them to stop their, you know, their racial judgment and, and all of that. But then, then he goes, man, listen, he gave me the gospel. And he goes, listen, I'm a servant. I'm not, I'm not, here he doesn't say, well, I'm an apostle according to the gift of grace. I'm a servant according to the gift of grace. And we always need to remember that. And then I love, man, according to the gift of grace God given, uh, given to me, by what? By the effective power of the Holy Spirit. Whenever people go out, and sometimes people go out and they say nice things to me, and I appreciate that. I don't so much like it when they say bad things to me, but I appreciate it when they say nice things to me. And I always try to emphasize thank you for saying that, that's kind, but anything, anything that happens in your heart while I'm teaching is through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's him, it's his word, it's him working. And I always try to remind people of that. It's not me, I, I might be a hose, but usually we don't thank our hose when we water something, we don't go, oh hose, thank you so much for carrying that water from the spigot to the plant. But it is kind of you to say that. But listen, man, here's what he says, man. It's the Holy Spirit. Somebody told me, I was telling the worship team, somebody told me a few years ago, it's been a few years now, we do the big outreach at at Buena at the high school auditorium for Easter. And after one of the Easter services, and, and, you know, a lot of people come forward during that time, and it's just exciting and good for everybody, and and it's a good time. And, And somebody in our fellowship that I know they came to me after I think it was a couple days after and they go, "You know, I got to be really honest with you. You stink at giving invitations." And I'm going, "Okay, you know, thank you." And they go, "And here's here's what's great about it. People come forward and get saved." And they said, "So we know it's not you." We know it's the Lord. And I thought, well, that's, a, that's probably the best compliment I've ever gotten on, on my abilities to serve the Lord, right? We, that's what we're supposed to be. And this is what Paul's saying. And then, and then I love, listen, to me, he goes on in verse 8. How many of you have a big gap between verse 8 and 7 and you have another headline? That shouldn't be there. So listen, man, he goes, listen, by the effective working of his power to me, who am less than least of all the saints... Hey, Paul is pretty convinced that he's not all that. Are you getting that? As a matter of fact, he invented a word right there. The, the, in, in the original language, he made up a word, and the word is, if you literally translated what he made up, it said, says, I am the leaster. I love that, man. I love just thinking about that. Here's what Paul's saying, man. I am the leaster of all the saints. Right, and he said it before. Listen, he said it in different ways. In 1 Corinthians, he says, man, I'm at the end of the line. I don't even belong, and I, I shouldn't be there and as far as the apostles are concerned. And last of all, God appealed to me, who's one abnormally born, and he talks about that. And then in Timothy, in 1 Timothy, what does he say? I am the chief of all sinners. You see, I believe the closer we get to the Lord, the more we realize his holiness, and the more we realize how short we fall in that area. And, and we begin to understand. And we and Paul here is saying, Man, I am nobody. Here's what he's saying, I am nobody. But the power of God is working through me. Hallelujah, huh? Don't you love that it's not and again it's not the apostle paul and then he says listen i am the leaster of all the saints you might like cross out least and stuff and put in leaster you know and, and kind of remember that but i am leaster of all the saints this grace was given that i should preach among the gentiles the unsearchable riches of christ oh do you get just that one part what time is it oh they're listening fast enough rob rob thought i was going to stop he said, they may not listen fast enough. But do you, do you read that one part? Listen, man, he was the grace that he was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the what? The unsearchable riches of Christ. Do you know what that tells me? We will never, ever, ever come to the end of this thing we call our salvation and figure it out and go, oh, okay. And I just love, man, the unsearchable riches Write this in your heart. God always, or Jesus, always, always enriches lives. He never takes away, he never subtracts. And I don't care your circumstance, I don't care what's going on, he always, and this is what Paul is saying, the unsearchable riches. And here's what he's saying, you Gentiles, have just as much access to those unsearchable riches as the Jews do. And he's kinda elevating these guys, right? Hey, maybe they're feeling bad, maybe they're feeling low, maybe tonight, man, you had a bad week, you had a bad day maybe at work, and maybe your boss said something ugly and nasty to you, and you're not feeling real great. Here's what you need to know, if you're a believer, you're part of the church. You're part of something bigger than you. And even greater than that, man, you're part of his body. And even greater than that, you have all of his promises. And even greater than that, you get to be part of the unsearchable riches of Christ. And Paul has shared that with him. And Verse 9, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. Here's what he's letting us know. This was not plan B. From the very beginning, from before the beginning. And, you know, that's, again, hard for me to... Kind of imagine that God was before the beginning and he's always been and that he's always existed in three persons and you know all of that going on. But listen, this is God's plan. And if God has worked his plan thus far, don't you think he's going to finish it? Don't you think he's going to bring it to completion? And if God has worked his plan this great, do you really think you're going to slip through his fingers? Do you really think he's going to forget about you? Oh, he'll get back into that in a minute. But he talks about, listen, and then he says, he says, who created all things through uh, through Jesus Christ, verse 10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might might be made known by the church. Wow. You might want to circle that. Listen, he's, he's shifting now and he's letting us know that you and I have a great privilege and God has placed us in a position of privilege. So you have all of this stuff you were in and all of this plan was created and, and, and worked through Jesus Christ to the intent that the manifold wisdom, think about that, we kind of understand manifold wisdom means the, the many uh, uh, faceted uh, aspects of the wisdom of God, Right? might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. Oh, are you reading that? Hey, right now, right now, they're watching. Angels are checking us out. And it's crazy because people have a big discussion here. Is he talking about good angels or bad angels? Yes, He's talking about all angels. And they're like looking, here, here's the good angels are looking at us and going, seriously? That's what you're working with. And again, the manifold wisdom of God, like they're going, man, God, you know things we don't know because I'm looking at those people in Sierra Vista. And listen, but do you understand something? This isn't make believe, it's not a fairy tale. Church, we have the privilege of magnifying God to spiritual beings that we can't even see. We have that tremendous privilege of being the church and they look at us and they go, how does that work? How do you bring people from all nations, from all races, from all backgrounds? How do you grab all of those people and put them together and have them do this thing, church, We cannot figure it out. Well, that's a manifold wisdom of God. And we have the tremendous man. I read that and I think, man, they're watching this right now. How how incredible that is. And I believe one of the highest purposes of the church is to share the gospel. I say that all the time. We're here to be a light. But it's not just, listen, it's not just to get people saved. It's to let people know we have a great God. But even you know, maybe in some ways, maybe, maybe even a little above that, we get to let angels know we have a great God. God did not save us just because of us. He saved us because he loves us, there's no doubt. But he also saved us because we can magnify his glory to the world and to the angels. Is that good or what? Now, I think, you know, I'm thinking, man, if I'm sitting in Ephesus and I get a letter from this guy in prison, I'm thinking, whew, look at this. I'm thinking, I'm gonna go out in the marketplace right now and I'm gonna tell some people about Jesus. And I'm gonna let the Jews know, back off. Because I'm part of this family. And then, oh, it gets better and better. He says, listen, we can, we, we, we're, we're an example or we might make known the church might make known to the principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. An eternal purpose, not an earthly purpose, not a sort of purpose, not a temporary purpose. Are you kind of understanding God's purpose for the church is to glorify himself. I know some people think, well, isn't that a little narcissistic? Not if you're God. i just, I just let you know. God's perfect and he's not narcissistic. He knows he's perfect. And he wants the world to know. So he wants, to know the, he wants the world to know of his love and his grace. But he also wants the world to know that he's holy and just. You can't leave parts of God out that stinks so listen man we have that and he goes it was according to the eternal purpose of christ jesus or that he accomplished in christ jesus verse 12 in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him he's talking about remember in hebrews he's talking about you and i can go right into the throne room we can go into the holy of holies do you know that if you would have talked to a high priest you know in the first century or even before that and you go dude i'm gonna go into the holy of holies they would go "Uh, uh, uh-uh 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 Even with the access they had, it was temporary and it was just for a short time. And you and I, you and I can go into the throne room of God simply by bowing our hearts and calling on his name and we have access by the blood of Jesus. How good is that? I don't think it gets much gooder. I mean, that's like on the top of things, man. Anytime we want, I have been privileged to go a lot of places around the world and observe different religions whether it's Hinduism. I got to see Hinduism up close and personal. I got to see Buddhism in Thailand up close and personal. I have got to see animism in, in tribal people in Mexico up close and personal. And I watch all these people, and here's what they're struggling to do. They're struggling to get their gods in chin. When so many different ways. In Hinduism, they do. in Hinduism, they do some dark, weird things that, you know, the world thinks they're all about, you know, it's wonderful. It's not. Not so much with them. So, you know, and you, and you just watch all of that. And you and I, Jesus did it. And we can go right into the throne room of the one who created everything. All we do is bow our hearts. And, and you know, and, uh, who was it that had the song? I think it was uh, Stephen Camp had the song, We're Playing Marbles with Diamonds. We have this tremendous privilege of coming into the throne room with God and we kind of treat it like... Eh. Come on, man, I love that. Oh, and then, and then, and then Paul's gonna kind of wrap it up here. Therefore, I love all this, man. Like he laid out this glorious stuff. And I know some of you you're tired and et cetera, but I know you're thinking it's glorious. I know inside you're like, woo, yes. But you had a hard day, and I get that. But listen, man, and then so he builds all this up. And then he remembers in verse one, he told him he was a prisoner and it might freak some of them out, right? So I love, listen, therefore, because all of that is true, here's what he's saying. I ask that you do not lose heart at my uh, tribulations for you, which is your glory. You see, sometimes we see God work in ways in people's lives that we can't understand. And we can't put it together. And oftentimes, our response is, why would you do that, God? And his response back to us, I will speak for God, is this. Because I'm God and you're not. That's why I would do it. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows what he's doing. So... We look at people's lives, have you ever looked at someone's life and said, why did that happen to them? They were serving God, they were doing this, they were doing that, and you know, usually it's some atrocity. And we go, "Why why would that happen? And here's what Paul's saying, don't lose heart over my circumstances. I'm in prison and I'm in prison because of you guys, right? Why do you go to prison? because of the Gentiles, because he was preaching to the Gentiles and the Jews got freaked out and then they accused him of taking a, a Gentile and, and over the wall and doing things. And, and so he says, listen, man, I'm, I'm here, but I'm not freaked out. Here's what I love, man. The person kind of going through the circumstance oftentimes is not freaked out. You know, Paul's going, I'm not freaked out. I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I'm a prisoner of Christ Jesus. So you guys do not let my circumstance, my tribulations influence your heart and your walk. Don't you love that? This is the heart of a guy. Man, he's like trying to pull them up and I think they should be there pulling him up, right? And encouraging him, but he's going, hey, I got this, I can handle this, but I'm worried about you guys and how are you gonna handle it and how are you gonna process it? I remember when a friend of ours, uh, and he was young, he was, uh, well, some of you may not think so, but he's in his 50s. So he's way young. And he was serving the Lord. He's a missionary in Mexico. He, had, he was getting close to where he could finish up one translation, getting ready to learn another language. This guy already knew four languages. He was going after another one. And, it, you know, and he was right at the point where he was gonna finish up that translation for, for that tribal group. He went for a walk. Him and his wife were driving back down to Oaxaca. They stopped. I can't remember what town. Went for a walk, dropped dead. She went out and found him, and he's dead on the sidewalk. Just gone. And I remember a bunch of people saying, that's not right, that's not fair. Why did God do that? Once again, because he's God and we're not. I don't know what his plan is, but don't let my tribulations hinder your walk with the Lord and influence what the Lord is doing in your life. Because listen, man, what God is doing through me, and I kinda like it, he says, listen, this is for you, which is for your glory to build you up, to encourage you. So be careful how we look at other people's lives and we begin to judge God or we begin to turn away from God. That's the worst. So don't do that. So church, here's my question. Are we gonna be the church in September of 2020, September 10th of 2020? Are we going to be the light to the world? Hey, I know some people say this. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. That's true. You don't have to go home to be married either. Just not to let you know that. You're going to have a rotten marriage. So if you're not hanging out with God's people... You're not gonna have a great relationship with God. I don't care how you paint it, I don't care. And again, I'm not talking about people who are watching online and, and and part of what we're doing because of the pandemic, but I'm talking about in general. Nothing irritates me more when people tell me. And during one of my ambulance trips to Tucson, one guy said that, well, I don't have to go to church. And I go, no, you're right. I said, going to church doesn't make you a Christian more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger. And I said, you're, you're right about that, but You got to meet with God's people. If you're telling me you're a Christian, then you need to be with God's people, and you need to meet with God's people. When Gaynell and I got saved, we were discipled by some missionaries, and if you know anything about missionaries, they're independent people. That's how God built them, that's how God put them together, because they got to go out and do things, and, you know, they're, missionaries are tough sometimes to have in the church, because they're very independent. And you're kind of like trying to reel them in. And they're going, leave me alone. And we were discipled by missionaries, I think, that about the fourth time we got together because we were in a small group. And Gene Ellen, I thought that small group was church. This is fine. And I remember Eric and Terry came to us and they said, you guys need to get in a church. And we said, we are. They go, no, this is not church. This is a small group. This is part of the church, but you need to get involved in a body and be part of a body. I thank God for those guys putting that in our hearts as young Christians and doing that. So, church, let's, again, one more time, change the world and let's make an impact on this world. Let's stand up and pray. Lord, I do thank you. I thank you for the challenge of your word for this time as we look at your word and and God, we uh, look at how great this thing is. That we, I think so casually call the church and accept, yeah, this is the church. And I think it's hard sometimes for us even to comprehend the importance and the magnitude to which we are affecting the world around us. And yeah, we may be this group in service in some corner of, of Arizona and kinda pushed away and out of the limelight and all of that, but I know that, God, you have a purpose for us here. And as your body, as your church, Give us that that insight that Paul was writing about how great it is, and how mind boggling it is that we're part of this thing so much greater than we are, and that we can even impact the angelic world. That by what we do, by what we say, by how we interact with each other, by how we interact in our world, and and do things in our world, that the angelic world is going to be impacted. And I pray that that would, that would just impress deep on our hearts. And God, that you would be glorified in our lives. And I'm gonna ask you to just take a moment or two and and stay in that attitude of prayer. And if you're here tonight and you're not part of the church, as I've been talking about, we're together, we're part of this, I I, I kind of include everyone in here because uh, I look around, I see many of you are part, but hey, you know what? If you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, if you've never asked him to come into your life, if you've never asked him to change you, tonight's the night to do that. I wanna encourage you right now, man, to take that step of faith and 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 just, you know what? And maybe you've come to the church for a long time and, and you've just been part of this quote thing that that, you know you had in your mind i'm part of the church because i go and i read my bible and i pray but you've never really been impacted by him if you want to change this say this prayer with me you can say it out loud you can say it silently if you're watching at home definitely if god's touched your heart you can say it right there again you can say it right in your home you don't have to be in this building if you're backslidden come home Man, come back to Jesus. If you've drifted, especially during this time of the pandemic, if you've kind of drifted away and kind of got into your own world, and maybe you, maybe even tonight you kind of came back to the church to check it out and, and you realize you've, you've gotten far away, man, come home. Come back to Jesus. Again, if you're at home, you can do it. Say this prayer and call on his name. Jesus, tonight I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry, God, that I sinned against you. And right now, I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you tonight for your forgiveness. And now, I'm asking you to come into my heart and I want you to change me. Jesus, come into my life and guide me. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. If that's a cry of your heart and and you said that prayer and you meant it sincerely, I'm gonna ask you to put your hand up in the air, put it high up in the air and we'll pray for you and celebrate with you, anyone in here tonight Greatest decision you'll ever make. Lord, I thank you as we get ready to go out. Thank you for the revelation of this thing called the mystery, called the church. And the church is from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, you've brought us together to glorify you in our world and even in the angelic world. And I pray, I pray God, that we would understand the richness that you have added to our lives and we would go out and share that and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.